least. And then to the youth group where Jim and Caroline led and uh, now to the pulpit. So uh, while, you, um, while he's speaking, please make sure uh, that you um, just be praying for him too. He's been through a lot ever since he took the, ever since he said yes to, to preach and deliver the message. The enemy has been busy in distracting him and discouraging him. So, I mean, we all laugh about it, but until we're in there, it's not a laughable matter. So please pray for him, and uh, let's welcome him with a round of applause, our brother John John Kelly. So, I'm so glad that, um, you know, Pastor Joe and God has given me this opportunity to come and just talk to you guys tonight. And, you know, growing up as a little kid in this church, I never thought that one day I would be the one standing up here. But, you know, God works in amazing ways, and I've been so blessed. And, you know, I'm just really, you know, just amazed at the fact that, you know, God has led me in this direction in my life, and I'm so grateful for him as well. So, without further ado, let's get started. Let's open with prayer. Father God, thank you for this night, Lord. Thank you for just being among us. Thank you for being with us, Father God. Just being with us and to just just guide us and give us these blessings, all these blessings that you've given us, Father God. Lord, um, the world is in such a crazy state right now, Father God, but we find peace, we find comfort in the fact that we know that you're within us, you're among us right now, Father God. Lord, I pray for tonight, Father God, I pray that you give me the guidance, the knowledge, the confidence, Father God, to just deliver your word to your people, Father God. Tonight, I pray that you open up all these people's hearts, whether it be in person or online, Father God. Lord, open their hearts and let them hear you, Father God, through me. Lord, we love you so much. I lift the rest of this night up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I think this is like one of the first times that my parents are actually going to listen to me. <laughs> Goodness. Alrighty. So, all jokes aside, um, let's... Um, so I decided to title my message, Freed to be Holy. And is it there? Uh-oh. There you go. So I decided to title the message tonight, Freed to be Holy. And the main anchor for us will be 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 13, and 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. So let's go to the first verse which will be 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. This is the God's word. Be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple won't be his weak conscience or be encouraged to eat food offered to idols. So the weak person, the brother or sister for whom Christ died is ruined by your knowledge. 
Now when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat, so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Now let's move on to 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. So God has set us free from sin, and with that freedom, we can do many things. However, Paul stated that if eating meat causes a brother to fall, he'd rather not. We can apply this to our own lives as well. If drinking alcohol can cause a brother to fall, then I'd rather not. God has set us free from sin. And with that freedom, we can either choose to sin, lead others into sin, or use that freedom that God has given us to honor Him and to live holy lives. So, I want to give my own conviction. Um, as I was preparing for this message... I remember, as some of you guys may know, I have a tattoo. It's on my right leg. And when my mom found out, she was not very happy about it. So, but let me tell you, once you get one tattoo, it gets addicting, and you want another one. So, on October 23rd, I had another appointment to get another tattoo, and I told my mom, and you know, I'm 18, I can do whatever I want. I, I got that freedom. She doesn't have to sign the waiver for me. So I scheduled an appointment at 12 a.m. to get my second tattoo. But then I got asked by Pastor Joe to deliver the message right before I was going to get my tattoo. So, and it just so happens that these were the anchor verses for tonight. And in it, it says that I, in it, it says... Sorry about that. The clicker is not working, but that's okay. In it, it says, Therefore, if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never again eat meat. So I can apply that to myself. I realize that I have a group of influence over people here in the church. As a youth leader, I have kids looking up to me. As a person who's, as a member who's been a part of this church for a long time, I know that there's a lot of people that see me in a larger light compared to some, and not to boast, but I know that God has put me in a position where I have the influence on other people. And I realized that if I got this tattoo, what would the kids in my youth group think? What would the other people of the church think they would say oh well if John John got a tattoo maybe it's fine for me to tattoo I don't know something crazy on their forehead I mean if John John has one I can get one too but that's not correct our lives are not our own we were bought as a price as Paul said God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and thus we must live for God everything we must do with our lives is to honor God. If it's something that doesn't bring glory, doesn't bring honor to God, then what is the point of doing it? Let's go on to my next point. And the clicker's working. So that is defining freedom from according to God. 
The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines freedom as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Although this definition seems pretty solid, from a biblical standpoint, it is incorrect. The freedom that God has intended for us isn't the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice of action. That means that we have the choice to do whatever we want with our freedom. God gave us freedom, and he didn't intend for us to do whatever we want with it. This is wrong. God intends for us to use the freedom that he gave us to serve him, to live holy lives. For example, let's take yesterday. Yesterday was Halloween, a holiday where one could say the world celebrates things that are evil. In turn, one could also argue that Halloween is a harmless holiday, just made to have fun. For us Christians, however, we must look at Halloween differently. Let's go to Ephesians 5.11. In it, it says, Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. God gave us freedom, and thus, we have the freedom to celebrate Halloween, right? But is it worth it? What if it stumbles other believers, like Paul said in Corinthians? What is Halloween celebrating exactly? To whom does Halloween represent? Halloween isn't exactly a holiday that glorifies God. If you think about it, Halloween is one of the few holidays that the United States celebrates nationally that doesn't glorify God. Look at Resurrection Sunday, or some would say Easter. Look at Christmas, Thanksgiving. We thank God on Thanksgiving, we celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas, and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. But look at Halloween. God is nowhere to be found. God gave us the freedom to celebrate the holiday, but as Christians, should we, should we be partaking in that? Let that sink in. Let's go to Romans 6.22. But now, since you have been free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification and the outcome is eternal life. I want to point out the section that it says, You have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God. When God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that's when God set us free from sin. God's freedom came at a price, the life of Jesus Christ, and with that, God's freedom. <clears throat> Jesus suffered one of the most gruesome deaths on the cross, a pain that none of us can even imagine. And he died on the cross to save us from our sin, to set us free from sin. God's freedom came at a price. And we as Christians honor God's sacrifice, honors Jesus' sacrifice by living lives set upon being holy, set upon serving God. Let's go to Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Once again in the Galatians, it reminds us that through the death of Christ, we were set free from sin. And then right after it states, don't submit again to his yoke of slavery. Jesus didn't just give his life and set us free from sin for us to get right back up and sin again. That's not what Jesus died for. The freedom that God has given us comes with the intention that we must use it to live holy lives. If, let's say, for example, someone gave you a gift. Let's say he gave you a car. Someone gifted you a nice Tesla. And, you know, 
It was just, it's so cool. It's a Tesla. It can go fast. It can drive itself. But then you take that car and you just completely wreck it. How would that person feel that you just completely wrecked the gift that they've given you? That's kind of, in a way, how Jesus feels, how God feels when you take the life of Jesus Christ, the freedom that he's given us, and you just take it to sin over and over and over again. Let's go to our second point. Holiness should be the byproduct of freedom. So, I want to tell you guys a little story. When I was growing up in the church, I had a best friend. And I won't name names, but me and him grew up together. And we spent a lot of time together. He basically lived at my house. And we played video games together. We played basketball together. We did everything. And in this, as we grew older, um, our lives took drastic turns. I decided to remain in the church while he decided to experience the world. He decided that he wanted to go party, drink alcohol, smoke weed. And I was seeing my best friend transform into this crazy person that I couldn't recognize anymore. And <clears throat> it's safe to say that I don't know where this person is anymore. I wish the best for him. But I want to point out that we were both Christians already. And we both had the freedom that God has given us. And one of us took that freedom and chose to remain in the church. The other one decided to take that freedom and go into the world and sin. My friend chose to use the freedom that God gave him to return to sin. We have a choice on what we do with God's freedom. As Christians, we must choose to strive to be holy. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God has chosen us to be his children. Before we were created, God foreknew that we would be the ones meeting him in heaven. So with that, we must proclaim his praises. God has picked us, hand-picked us to be his. So I decided I was going to make a little flow chart. Um, here it is right here. Um, you know, I, I didn't know that there was like a, a straightener tool, so the arrows are a little crooked. But, you know, that's okay. It still gets the point across. So, in the center here, it says you. So that obviously means that I'm, it's talking about you, the person. And when you accepted Jesus Christ to become your Savior, to come into your life, he gave you freedom. That's God's freedom. And with that freedom, you can choose to do two things. As I said, you can either choose to go to sin or you can choose to live a holy life, which is right there. It says holiness. So if you choose sin, it only leads to destruction. And with that destruction, it just goes right back to you. You know, when you sin, there is always consequences. And those consequences will always come right back to you. Whether you hurt, you sure, you can hurt others in the process, 
But sin always comes right back to you, no matter what. Now, on the other hand, you can choose holiness. And then after holiness, that's honoring God. You can use the freedom that God has given you to live a holy life, to serve Him. And after you do that, if you are successful in honor, living a holy life, then you honor God. And that is one of the most powerful, most amazing things that a Christian can do with his life. And that is to honor God. With that being said, let's go to Galatians 5.13. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. It doesn't get more straightforward than this. God intends for us to use the freedom that he has given us to serve him, to serve others, and in turn, live holy lives. I'm, if you guys, like, don't remember anything that I say tonight, I just, wa- I just want to drill home this verse. You were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, an opportunity for sin, but serve one another through love. Live holy lives, everybody. Live for God. Serve God. That is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Let's go to my third point, which is the reward of living a holy life. In James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Living a holy life is very difficult when we live in the world that we, when we live in the world that we are currently in. As it said in James, we will be facing many trials, as we can see right now. We have COVID, you know, 2020, it seems like the year is only getting worse. We started the year out with threats of a World War III. Then we had these massive Australian brush fires. Then all of a sudden, this disease came and changed our whole lives. And now we're wearing these cloths over our face, and it's making it hard to breathe. However, in James, it also states that blessed is the one who endures trials. If we continue to live holy lives, if we remain vigilant in our faith in Jesus Christ, despite all the trials that the world is currently facing us with, the reward of honoring God is well worth it. The reward of living a holy life is more than just getting praise for, oh, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job, John John. No, the reward of living a holy life is the fact that we know that we are honoring God's sacrifice, honoring the death of Jesus Christ. The fact that we're, we have taken this gift of freedom, this gift of life that God has set for us, the fact that Jesus died, and we take that, and we use it to honor God, that freedom, that is the true reward of living a holy life. Now let's go to Psalms 119.9. Now this verse really hits home for me. It's short, sweet, simple, but it really hits home for me. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? 
by keeping your word. So this really hits home for me, like I said. You know, I'm 19. I'm only in my second year in college. And, you know, I'm young. So <laughs> it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. It doesn't get more straightforward for me. I know that I can live a holy life. I know that I can obtain the reward of living a holy life by living through this, by keeping his word. I know that as long as I stay true to my faith, stay true to God, I know that the reward of a holy life is coming and that he will be with me wherever I go. I want to tell a small story. The day after Pastor Joe asked me to deliver my message as well as deliver God's message, sorry. After, the day after Pastor Joe decided that he, um, God would allow me to um, deliver his message, as well as also giving my testimony last Sunday on the anniversary, the attacks already started coming in. And I can tell you now that, you know, we might all laugh about it, like, oh, the Lord is attacking Pastor Joe because he's giving the message. But we, I can tell you right now that it's really serious and that you sh really should be praying for our pastor. But with that being said, tonight, um, one of the attacks, one of the enemy's final pushes to distract me from this tonight. Um, tonight, my girlfriend was supposed to be here watching. And currently, she's not here. And because of, and the reason why is because her father was on his way home from work today and he got in a major car accident and he ended up in the ICU. So instead of my girlfriend being here um, watching me tonight, she's at the hospital hoping that her dad will recover. But with that being said, there's another, um, another trial that the Lord put me through as I was preparing this message. The day right after I decided to um, say yes to Pastor Joe to deliver God's word. So I work at a place called Num Num Boba. And, you know, it was my first job. I get to make drinks, you know, hand them out to people. I'm basically like a barista. So when I took the job, I made it clear to my boss that, look, I can work most days of the week, but you cannot touch my Sunday nights. Not even my Sundays in general. I will not work on Sundays because I need to be here at church. So I told my boss that, and even though I said that, they decided to hire me still. And, you know, I got hired in August, and, you know, I was just coming into work. It's my first job doing my thing. And then one day, after one of my shifts, I'd say about maybe last month already, after one of my shifts, my boss called me, and she brought me aside and she told me that they needed someone to work Sunday shifts. And that if I decide not to work Sunday shifts for them, that I would lose my job and that they would fire me. So without a thought, I said, well, looks like I'm, you're going to have to let me go. Because no matter what, 
I am not taking a Sunday shift because I'm saving that for the Lord. So she told me, okay, next week is your last week. You work two days. And I said, all right, I guess that's how it is. So after that, I contemplated of even going to my next, sh- next two days. Like, what's the point of going if they're going to let me go anyway? I don't want to work there anymore. So, but nevertheless, I figured that, you know, I could use the extra pocket money. So I decided to come into my shift. So on my Tuesday night shift, after the end, my boss decided to call me again. And she said, hey, we decided to not let you go. So I said, oh, really? Um, I thought you needed someone to work Sunday shifts. And then she told me that they decided not to let me go because I was a hard worker, per se. (laughs) And what was really amazing about it was that before my original schedule is that I work three days a week, 11 hours. I work Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. But because they decided to keep me, I had a new work schedule. And with this, I only worked two days, Friday night and Saturday night. However, I now work 12 hours. (laughs) So now I work actually one more hour than I used to. Plus, I work Friday and Saturday nights. So that's the big tip nights. Like, I'm getting a lot of tip from this. So... And I don't have to work Sundays anymore. I can still come here and serve God to the fullest extent. Now, at first, I was so happy about this. And I thought that I did an amazing job coming in on my last days. And they recognized that, you know, I'm a hard worker. But that's not true. I, the, all the glory and all the honor was not because of me. The reason that I kept my job was not because of me. It was because of God. It was because with that freedom, I could have said to Pastor Joe, hey, Pastor Joe, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go to work on Sundays, so, you know, sorry about that, but you're going to have to find somebody new to work the computer in the back. I had the freedom to do that. But I decided that I wanted God I chose God over my job. And because of that, God rewarded me with allowing me to keep my job. I work one more hour. I work one less day. And I have the best schedule. And to me, you guys might be laughing right now, but to me, that is one of the most amazing things. God really worked his way. And I'm so thankful for that. Without God, that would have not been possible. And I really believe that God was moving in that time. Now, I want to go back to Psalms 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. Now, as one of the youth leaders here at the church, I really want to inspire those who are younger than me. I really believe that no matter what your age is, 
God can move through you and move with you. Just because I'm 19, just because you're whatever age, doesn't mean that God cannot move through you. So, how can a young person keep his way pure? By keeping your word. Those who are young, actually, you know, those, whatever age you are, if you decide to keep your path on the Bible, if you decide to stay strong in your faith, then yes, you can receive the reward of living a holy life. And that's something that's truly amazing. Now, I want to go back to freedom. And like I said, when Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross with his life, he granted us freedom from sin. And with that freedom, we are free to do anything we want. We can, like I said, we can go back to sin or we can use it to live a holy life. And for you guys tonight, I believe that information is meaningless without application. Meaning that I can tell you all this information tonight, but if you don't apply it into your own lives, then what is the point? So, tonight I challenge you guys to keep your way pure. Keep your way by, living the, by keeping His Word. Tonight, I pray for all of you that you can stay vigilant in your faith, stay strong, and I challenge you guys to just live your lives out for God. No matter what you do, when you get up in the morning, praise God. When you go to sleep at night, praise God. When you eat the first meal of the day, praise God. You know, I'm so grateful for tonight, so grateful that I can be here before all of you just praising God and just, sorry, just being here. It's really amazing to me. And, you know, I just want to say that I'm so thankful for everyone. Um, and mostly I'm thankful for God. You know, as a small child, I never imagined growing up and, you know, being up here one day. So with that being said, to God be all the glory, honor, and praise. So. You know, I'm sorry that that was a little short. Um, <laughs> you know, it went a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> um, but, you know, I hope that God really touched your guys' hearts tonight as, it, as God has touched mine. And um, let's close with some prayer. Father God, thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for just being with us to just praise you, to hear about your word, Father God. Thank you for just um, continuing to work in our lives to just um, be your children, Father God. Lord, I pray for tonight that you help us to realize that with the freedom that you have given us from dying on the cross, I, help, I pray that you help us to realize that instead of using that freedom to go back to sin, we use that freedom to serve you, to live holy lives, Father God. 
Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us, that we all use our lives to serve you, to honor you, Father God, to honor your sacrifice. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this night. We thank you for all the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, I pray that you bring each and every one of us to our home safely. We thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.